I'm going to look tonight at just one verse from Ephesians 6, uh, dig a little bit more into something we can't cover on, on Sunday. I'm going to look at power and strength. Uh, that, that's in verse 10. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so you've got multiple power terms there. He says, be strong. He says to do this in the power of his might. So you might be hearing all that and you're hearing about this uh, military imagery and you're thinking, okay, I'm not in the military. I've never been in the military. I'm not planning to be in the military. Why do I need this power? Or you're maybe thinking, I'm not a leader in government. Why do I need power? I'm not a leader in business. Why, why do I need this power, might, strength? Well, in this context, Paul is talking about a power that all of us need, a power that all of us need, and that is a power to convince us. I think he's talking here especially about a power to convince us, to convince us about temptation and truth, a power to convince other people and ourselves about sin and a savior. And so if you look at verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And what he's saying by this, if if I'm understanding the context and the rest of scripture's context correctly, he's saying, we, all of us, we're all weaklings and we all need to be convinced. We're all weak, but there's something we need to be convinced about. We're, We're weaklings who who need to convince other people as well. And that's going to take power. And, and here's some of what we need to be convinced about. We need to be convinced that this is a battle against the devil, the devil who the scriptures call the father of lies, the devil who the Bible calls the deceiver. So there's this, this power that's going to need to be exerted and overcome deception, things that have convinced other people, things that have convinced us in our hearts. And so this battle for which we need strength It's got everything to do with what is true. Everything to do with what is truth. A power to convince ourselves of what we're told is true, but we just don't feel like it's true. A power to convince other people of what really is true when they've believed the lie and they've breathed the lie for all their lives. So how are they going to ever be convinced? So maybe I could could make it more, uh, more, more, more personal. For instance, do you, do you battle with Fear. Do you battle with being scared, with anxiety and worry? Well, Paul, as he's writing this, as he's writing about power and strength, Paul himself is someone who's struggling with fear. If, if, you, if you look at the wrap-up verse for this section, verses 19, verse 20, Paul's talking about the armor of God. He's talking about how to be strong. And he says, pray that I might open my mouth boldly. And then he says it again, verse 20, in that that in it I may speak boldly. He's saying, you be strong, you be powerful. I need to be strong, I need to be powerful because I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid. There are things that I need to be convinced of right now and that's why I'm afraid. He's needing power to convince other people as he's speaking. He asked for prayer to boldly speak the gospel. So he needs this power to convince people of the truth, but he also needs power to be convinced when the enemy and when his own heart is pressing doubts in his heart, pressing doubts in his mind, and that's why he's, he's not bold. That's why he's, he's fearful. So briefly, if we, if we broaden the lens just a little bit, three ways in scripture that all of us need to be powerfully convinced in our own struggles. We need power to convince us about sin. We need power to convince us about victory. And we need power to convince us 
about our Savior. So first of all, we need power to convince us about sin. If you listen uh, to this passage I'm about to read, uh, listen to how it speaks to this need for power to convince us that sin, our own sin, is worth fighting. So 2 Thessalonians 2, there's power language, there's the working of the enemy, uh, and um, and let's see what, how it speaks to being convinced about fighting sin. Second Thessalonians 2, he says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. So you've got some agent of the devil coming. He's coming with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. So we're talking about power, we're talking about lies, deception, among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. So there's deception again, this powerful deception. God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So there's this lie that needs to be convinced. It's a lie coming from the enemy. And he's saying, part of the lie is that there's pleasure in unrighteousness. What's he saying there? He's saying that the whole world, the world that we live in, that we're also part of, the whole world is convinced by a powerful lie from the devil. The lie is this. The lie is that unrighteousness will give true pleasure. Now, it's, it is true that unrighteousness gives some pleasure. It gives, it gives it's, it's the pleasure of sin just for a season. But we know that the Bible says the big picture is the wages of sin is death. There may be pleasure, but it's fleeting. There's only death from sin and regret. So this lie is something that we need to be convinced about. We need to be convinced that sin, my own sin, when I'm tempted to sin, when I look at the sin that I commit, my besetting sins, the lie that I need to be convinced about is that sin is always a loss. It's never a gain. Sin is always a loss. It's not a gain. We need to be convinced that as a person, disobedience to God is always a disadvantage. When I disobey, it's always a disadvantage for me. Now, everything about our fallen hearts and the remaining sin in us, everything about our fallen hearts tells us that sin will bring benefits, that, that maybe I'm being investigated for faults that I've committed. Maybe I, I, I didn't measure up at work. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I, I did something wrong. And I'm being investigated. And when everything in my heart tells me I should lie, a lie would be the way to life in this situation. It's just not true. It, it, it's, it's, we need to be convinced that, that when someone does wrong to me, they're disrespectful, they ruin my plans, they grab glory from me and, 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 and take glory for themselves, I need to be convinced that to return evil for the evil that was done to me, that's not justified. But it feels like it would be justified to return evil for evil. It would take a powerful change of heart, of my heart, of our hearts, to convince us that sin, sin is not the way to, sin is not justified, sin is not the way to life. Sin is poison. Sin is poison. And I should resist it the way a fussy child would resist gross food. You would, you would turn your head. You would close your lips. You would spit it out. And so we need power to convince us about sin. That's part of this battle with this enemy. But the second thing is we need power to convince us not just about sin. We need power to convince us about our victory, about victory. If you're a believer, you need to be convinced, powerfully convinced, 
about victory, what the Bible says about victory in Christ. Do you have areas in your life, just scan all the different things, whether you're talking about school or your career or your family or your finances, do you have areas where you tend to be a pessimist? Areas of life where you tend to see things with fatalism instead of hope. Now, we all have areas like that. The scriptures portray us as people who get discouraged. We get discouraged by sin. We get discouraged by suffering. We get discouraged by Satan. We're, we're, we're discouraged by sin. Think of how it says, who will deliver me from this body of death, from my body of death, from the remaining sin? Who is going to deliver me? That's discouraging. Will I ever get a breakthrough with my besetting sin? So we're discouraged by sin. We're also discouraged by suffering, by our suffering. Think of the lament songs that, that we get to sing here that you, that you might read in your devotions. Psalm 113. How long? How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Now, you may, you may, you may be facing suffering and, and you're, you're, you're combining the other things you know from scripture and, and you think, you know, the Lord, it seems like he's got a tolerance for a thousand years. And for him, a thousand years is just a day. But that's not me. I'm finite. I'm mortal. I don't have that many days on earth. And so even a day of suffering or a year of suffering, that's too much. And, and so we're discouraged by suffering. We're discouraged by our sins. We're, we're discouraged by suffering. We're also discouraged by Satan. In, in your situation, maybe it looks like, in your situation, it looks like the devil is winning. It looks like Satan has the upper hand. And you just cannot see how, whatever the situation that you're facing with, faced with. Maybe it's your history. Maybe it's other people that just will not change. And you can't see how they could possibly ever change. You just cannot see how any of this could work out for good. You're outnumbered. All the help that you had has fled from you. The church, maybe the church is a mess in this area. Maybe it looks like to you that the gates of hell have prevailed. And it looks like the prince of Persia is going to block the angel. You, you know what I'm talking about in, in Daniel, where the, the, the angel, the messenger of the Lord is coming, but he's blocked for three weeks by the prince of Persia. Maybe it looks for you like the prince of Persia is blocking the angel, not just for three weeks, but for the rest of your life. You need power. You, you need power to be persuaded, to be convinced. And it would take a powerful work to convince you that there's a present victory, that there's a future victory at hand that Ephesians 1.20 is true. Christ is raised from the dead and seated at his right hand in the heavenly places and that Christ is now far above all principality and power and might and dominion and that every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come, that all things are under his feet. You know that's in the Bible, but you need you would need something to powerfully convince you that it's really true and that it has everything to, to, everything to do with the situation you're now facing. If that were to happen, wouldn't that change how you see your struggles today? That Jesus has won, that Jesus is winning, and that Jesus wins in the end, in your situation, in your life, and that even if you were to go down with the ship today, something better is going to come back up. So, and here's the third thing that we'll end with. We also need power to convince us about our Savior 
Now, there's, there's so much we could say about this. Uh, I just want to say one thing. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Paul writes, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. So there's, there's that call to be strong again, to be strong in the Lord. He says, be brave, be strong, and let all that you do be done with love. And, and this is how, this is what I'm going to leave you with. You know, you, do you know who is strong and who is brave and powerful in the most evil day? It was Jesus. It was Jesus when, when he faced the devil, when his ship was sinking, when he, he was pierced in battle. He was pierced in battle. He took wounds to his head. He took wounds to his hands. He took wounds to his side and to his feet. He was wounded from head to toe. And the passage says to be brave and to be strong, and he was. And he, the passage also says, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did when he was brave and strong on the cross? He did it in love. He was pierced for your sins because he loved you. He loved you enough to be pierced for your sins in your place. Now, if you see that power of love in him, if you're convinced that that really did happen and it really was done in love, are you convinced that that same power is at work in you if you are a believer Ephesians 3.16, he prays that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. That same power with that same love is working in you if you're a believer. The spirit of Jesus in you is the love of Jesus in you to stand and to work powerfully in you. You don't sin. You don't sin. Not just because sin is poison. You don't sin because you love Jesus. And you don't despair about the future, not because you're so capable and talented, but because Jesus is risen for the dead, from the dead. And that's why you don't despair from the future. And the power that raised him is the power that now mightily works in you. Amen.